You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is another one of his chidushim. I put it in perspective to you because it doesn't come out of the blue. He is using his mastery of the Talmud and the Midrashim, um, and obviously Tanakh, to provide for us um, a, a knowledge and he's spurring us to think about things we wouldn't have thought about, of how significant our speech is. And this is another one. So what does this have to do with every one of us? So he says what this means is, You should not have someone be submissive to you in a way that they feel that they are working for you like a slave, but not really like a slave, he says. If you have a relationship with someone and that person is simply scared of you, he really fears you, you're his boss. You decide whether he gets a raise or not. Yeah, you go out and eat lunch at the same table, but he knows that you're the one that decides whether he's gonna, his contract is going to be renewed. He fears you. Or for some reason, you know that this is a young guy who would like you to be his friend. And he's, he's embarrassed to say no to you. He wants you to help him down the road. You're not his boss necessarily, but maybe you're someone who's in a higher position. You're someone that he respects. And the way his relationship has developed with you, it's tough for him to say no. Lo, if you know that, and you know that's the, your connection, lo yitzava osam lasot katana ogedola. You shouldn't ask them for anything. You should not ask them to do even the smallest thing. Unless they want to, and it's for their benefit. Basically, you figure, look, uh, you know, I'm in the middle of doing something over here. Johnny, Johnny, go in the kitchen, you know, and put some water on the stove for me. Oh, hey, kid, you know what? There's some hot pretzels they're selling out there. Here, take this money, go ahead and get it for me. It's usher to do this. You're over the love of Losir de Bo Beforech. Now we know that from the from you know from 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 uh, the beginning of Sefer Shmos that Porach is the way the Bnei the the Mitzrim put us into into servitude was Beforech the same exact term. And now we're saying it says that you are over that you're you're calling a, you're you're called a Rode. It's like you have dominated that person. You forced him to really, he really didn't have a choice. He really didn't want to do it. But his relationship with you is that, that he doesn't want to lose the, the, the connection that he has. He doesn't want to lose some points with you. He's either scared of you or he has this thing and you know that you have this type of relationship with him. 
to tell him, and you know what that relationship is, to take advantage of it, you are over the Saver Osir de Bobaforach. Now he mentions here that we do have an exception. Aval Adam Sha'ena Noe Kishura Mutra Okay, that's where, like, you can, if, if there's someone who isn't acting properly, so then you can use your relationship to sort of change him, push him, um, and maybe punish him in some way. But let's assume that's not the case. It's also for you to put pressure on someone. And the pressure could just be asking. Now, I want to, um, in this regard, it would seem, that even if it's a mitzvah, even if you're asking the person to do something, which is a positive thing, to ask him to do that when you know he doesn't really want to, and it's not his thing, but he's doing it because you're pressuring him, even though the act that he's been doing it might be a very beneficial thing for the, for the world, but you took advantage of the superior or the social uh, pressure that you can exert, the fact that he considers you his superior, or he just doesn't, he, for some reason, he, he feels like he cannot say no to you. I want to uh, 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 show you a about this Rabbeinu Yonah. Rafa Zalman answered with a story. The story was something that the great Rav Steinman Whose uh, yard site, I think, um, uh, is, is 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 around this is around now. Um, knew because he, of course, was very close to the Chazonish. There was once a uh, in, in Vilna. There was once a gathering of a great Gedolei Yisrael, and the Chazonish was unaware that it was taking place in the home that he was sitting and learning in. And incredibly, these Gedoli Yisrael started showing up, Rav Shimon Shkop and others, and the Chazanish could not escape. Now, he was very well known that he was very, um, a, a very modest, quiet person. People knew he was brilliant, but he was very, very um, loath to ever speak publicly. Uh, and they were all sitting around. And the great Rav Ochonen Wasserman, Zecher Tzadik V'Kodesh Levrocha, said to the Chazonish that he should speak in learning. He should start the shear off. In other words, the, we're going to talk about things for Klal Yisrael, but we should start with the Dvar Torah that should you know, indicate that we are all dedicated to Torah. Let's have a Dvar Torah to start out with. And let's ask Rav Karelitz to say a Dvar Torah. So Rav Elchanan said, I know it's hard for you to speak. And you don't like speaking. But he said, B'divrei Torah, there's not an Isser of Osir de Bobaferach. In other words, Osir de Bobaferach is go out and, and get some coffee for me. Go get that pretzel for me. But if I push somebody to say a Dvar Torah, even though I know he's uncomfortable doing it, and I know he could say something that other people couldn't say, I am not over Losir de Boba Farah, Revolchanan Vasserman said. The Chazanish answered and said, How do you know? 
I don't know if you're right. So the Chazanish says, if you're, I'm going to say something. And he said over a, a question in a Toysvist in Yavamas, which is actually printed in the Sefer the Chazanish. Um, now, the Chazanish himself said later that he felt Rebbe Hanan was wrong, that there is Lysirda Baybafarech, and even if it's for Edvar Torah, but he couldn't say no. Um, similarly, the Chazanish's brother in law, the Stipler, when um, his grandson's bar mitzvah occurred, um, there were a number of Rabbonim that came. And they were trying to get, oh, say it's Vartora, no, the Darshan. So the Stipler went out of his way to say, no, no, no. Lav Gomor. Don't Darshan. Don't tell these people if they don't want to Darshan. If a person is hesitating, he doesn't want to, he's not prepared, or he doesn't, he feels a little bit strange. So he says, no. You can't, come on, come on, come on, you can dab him for the Ahmed. Come on, come on, you can give the drasha. Oh, come on, please give a drasha, give a drasha. If you know that the person is hesitant and you think that's not what the person really wants, and, and but he's afraid because of Busha or because there's so many people saying him, the stiper felt there's a, a law from the Torah. <laughs> there's a low say from the Torah. Even Roshulma Zalman, by the way, um, they bring down here that um, that one of his students was asking him a number of questions when he was in a weakened stage. And he said the following. He said, look, I just want to say, meaning, please, in other words, I feel like I must answer you. Not because I'm embarrassed, but I know you look at me as your Rebbe, but I'm telling you it's hard for me. And yet, on the other hand, there's this pressure that I feel. That pressure that you're exerting by coming to ask me this, this, this bevy of questions is Lysirda. Has, even Roshulman Zalman said that. Now, he happened to say, also, if you take a look, he says that Rav Hanan was Ma'ur of Ma'od ben Abrios. And he always, he had no problem speaking. Therefore, he couldn't conceive that it's called Losir Dabo with Divrei Torah. But Rav Shlomo Zalman said the Chazanish was the opposite. Who are you sovereign the ain sarach by miras divrei Torah? You don't need to say another shir. You don't need to give it a drasha. V'chichaser divrei Torah. Like we really need. I mean, we're sitting here a bunch of rabbanim here. We need someone to say it divrei Torah. Okay, why don't we just everyone take a sefer out for five minutes and learn? Okay, you want to learn something? They got a good sefer and learn it. The, we, we, the, the Torah world is missing something like there's something missing so if someone comes to you with a question and he needs to have a psak so of course you're going to answer even the Chazanish would answer if people came to him for a psak but just to 
just to say divrei Torah? Nah. Therefore, the, the Chazanish felt that it was losir dabai b'farach, and that seems to be the das of the stipler, the Chazanish, and of Shalom and Arabach. And they all get this from this Rabbeinu Yonah. And they believe it isn't just, oh, there happens to be a Mechudosh Tikka Rabbeinu Yonah. They seem to hold it in actuality. The applications, as I said, are, are very large. Pressuring someone to do a mitzvah might be a lotase from the Torah. Now, where did Rabbeinu Yonah get this from? <laughs> where is it that where's the source for this? And is, is Rabbein, does Rabbeinu Yonah have any chaveirim here? It's, is there any other sources that back this up at all? That's the question. Yes. Rabbi, uh, what does this do with, with training your kids, right? Um, is it possible that your children can reach a situation where there might be things you shouldn't be asking them? Um, now, I have to tell you that there is uh, a, a, quite a bit of discussion about this, um, about how to, to deal with, with, with your children um, and what should be done. I can show you that the great Posek, um, Rav Nissen Karelitz, also a nephew of the Chazanish, says the following. When you're asking for help from people of your household or from your wife, things that she's not to do for you, and look at this, Bob. Especially your children. You have to make sure it's something that they really would want to do. But if they really are disinclined to do it, and you're saying, it's Kibarov, I want you to, right? The call Hishtam Shaspadam Yisrael, anytime. You have a person do something for you that isn't for his, that he doesn't want to, and it's not for his benefit. I feel him who know. Now, it could be you as a parent know that this five year old needs to get into the habit of bringing his father his shoes for him to have the proper respect. Or you want him to know, bring me this safer. Because he needs to know that a parent is someone that's deserving of respect. If he, if he doesn't know that an older person deserves respect, he's going to grow up wild. So this is for his benefit. But once it's already ingrained in that child, Bob, that he understands this idea of respect, he doesn't need more training in deepening it. But you know that there's an element of he'd rather not do it. And he really, you, you know the mindset of your child, that your child really doesn't happily want to go and get it done. It could be a certain age. When they're six, seven, and eight, oh, they love to see the smile on Zadie's face, on Saba's face. They get to a point when they're teenagers, when you could tell they'd rather be on their phones, right? They'd rather be left alone. And you know that you could probably pull rank on them, especially if there's if their parents are there. And then, you know, and they don't want to be in a situation where that occurs. So Rav Nissen Karelitz, 
the great postnik of Bnei Brak says, you might be over a lot, I'll say, of Osir the Boba Perach. So you need to be sure when you ask them that this is something that they want to, or even if they don't want to, you know it's for their benefit. Now, he says, obviously, things that are chinuch, for example, to clean for chomets, you know that they don't want to clean their rooms. You know that they, nobody, the kids don't want to. They don't want to search under, they don't want to take the, the vacuum cleaner under the bed. And you know that they'd rather not. And you know they're doing it because they're being pressured. He says that's a toelis for them because that gets them sensitive to the idea of, um, of, uh, of, of, of being careful on chametz. So that you can ask them, even if you know they don't want to do it. Because they will hopefully understand eventually. Um, says that if a husband is a little bit OCD and he asks his wife, no, we've got to get this clean for Pesach. Something that minadin ptura melasosa. Minadin your potter, it's a hidur to make it clean as possible. But minadin, you really don't need it, even though the postkin will say, oh, that's even better. But you realize she's pushing back. She knows her husband is just a little bit nuts about this thing. But she has respect for him in this. But you know she really thinks it's unnecessary. So you think you're doing a hidur of Pesach. Rav Nissen Karelet said you're over losir the bobafarech by doing it. Because your wife has this relationship where she's going to say yes, you're innocent, and she thinks you're not, but she's going to do it anyway. He brings another example, Rav Nisim. This was a Shabbos Agodo Drosha that he gave. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I think that's, a, again, more, more Rabbonim should give these type of Shabbos Agodo Droshas to tell people, hey, you, know, you think, oh, it's a big hitter of, 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 of cleaning for, for Chometz? What you just did to the relationship, forget about the Shalom Bayez issues. You're over a law from the Torah. Um, let's say, um, in Israel, I think this happens a lot, in Eretz Yisrael. Um, sometimes they, they build in a place where they didn't get the proper papers to build. Um, and they brought down upon them the, uh, the Tzav Harisa, where they said, oh, you built this, you didn't, have, you didn't get, do the proper paperwork, you need to knock it down. So what do you do? <clears throat> you go to, you try to go protectia. You get some Rabbonim to call up and say, look, maybe there's something you can do over here. Um, you know, look, you know, we built this base Knesset here. We started building the shul. Uh, we didn't get our papers in order. Um, maybe you could go and, you know, you, you're on the city council. Maybe you could, you, you could do something uh, to clear the path for us so we can get our, so we don't have to knock down the building that we built. So, um, Rav Karelet says, that's also a seerd of Befarach. Those uh, councilmen, whoever you have, are now pressured by, you know, they, they respect you, and you're using that, even though you think it's a great mitzvah to keep that shul up, but you're being over a seerd of by asking them to go to the secular authorities and try to get some sort of dispensation from it. So, other than the Dinah and the other part that sounds a little bit shady, 
just the efforts of pulling political protexia, you know, rabbi, for you, anything. You know what that means? That means I can't, I'm afraid to say no. Because, you know, because you're going to, you're the one that takes care of the bris. You're the one that takes care of the simcha. You know, you did this for me in the past. All of that would be usr. This is what they say is an extension of this Rabbeinu Yonah. So where does this, where does this come from, really? So in order to understand this, um, I guess we, we have to go to the Pesukim in the Torah. So let's take a look at the Pesukim in the Torah from where this comes from. The Torah in Parshas Bahar has, as, has another section about the Eved Ivri. This is not the Eved Ivri who was sold forcibly, but the one who sells himself because he's desperate for funds. Here the Torah says, Lesabed bo avodas ovid. Okay? You can't have him do avoda like an Eved. He's like a socher, even though he's technically an Eved, but he is treated like a hired worker. And, as again, the Torah emphasizes that you're taking care of his children. Because when he leaves you, he and his children leave. So you've been taking care of his children. When you sell him, you, you, you dare not sell him. And say, I'm finished with him. I'm going to sell him like a slave. They can't be sold like they're Jews. They can't be sold like Avodim. Here's the Pasik. Porech cannot be implied for him, on him and fear God. Now, the Torah then, and this is politically incorrect, what I'm going to be saying here, there says, okay, so who can you push around? Who can you? have as an evid that you that you don't have to take care of in such a um, kid gloves way. You know what it is? From the non-Jews. The ones from the nations around you, not from the seven nations, but the ones who came from other places, from Eteria or, or, or Philippines, wherever they are, them you can turn into Avodim. In fact, they can be your Achuzah. And when you can actually have them as slaves and you give them over to your children and they can be slaves forever. But here's the second time. Now it already said that when you have a Jewish Eved who sold himself, you cannot be rode to him. You can't oppress him with something called Farech. The Torah repeats this again, as you can see in Pasuk Membav. It already said it once, right? What do we need to say again? The Torah repeats it a third time. Oh, I skip something. If it turns out that someone sells himself to a non-Jew who lives in Israel, in Eretz Yisrael. You need to do whatever you can to get him out of there. Even if the Jew, the man he's working for is okay. He's, he's riding high in Israel, but your brother isn't. And he was sold. Or he even's working 
the church where Eker Mishpach Hasger. But let's say he's not, even if he's just working for a fine Noahide, try to get him out of that situation. Do whatever you can. Be honest with the person who bought him. But then the Torah adds this Pasuk. If you're not able to get the non-Jew to agree to free this man, you don't have the money to pay him off. Make sure that the non-Jew lo yurdenu beperach le'enecha. Don't let that person be perach to happen to him while you see it. So three times the Torah says about redias perach. Now, twice it's definitely talking about an evet. The second time is it talking about an evet? Is it possible that that Pusik number two is the one where Rabbi Yone gets his uh, connection. This is talking about all Jewish people. Even though we're, we're, we are contrasting the non-Jewish slave to the slave of the Jews, since this Pusik is unnecessary where it is, is it possible that Rabbi Yone therefore extends this to all situations once the Torah wrote it the second, third time? So, the um, let's take a look at the Mechilta back in Parshas Mishpatim. Yochol tikreenu eved l'shum b'zayo. You have a right to call him eved. No, you don't. The Torah calls him an eved. Sheishamin, but you can't. Hmm. Okay. What does it mean with Shum Meaning you're Shrei Shonim Yavod. Yavod means everything. Talmud, Talmud, isn't it? No. The Pasuk says in Bahar, which means what? Even though he's bought to be an Eved, he can't do what every normal Eved does. Right? Sort of like Raglov. Right? You're valid. Can you wash my feet? Can you put my shoes on? Look, I, I have to go to the to the bathhouse. Can you take my, my sponge and my soap and everything with me? Let's say you have to go up a ladder, and you're a little bit you're a little bit overweight. Uh, you need you need your your truss. What is it called? Your truss. You need your truss to sort of like be tied properly in order for you to to make it up there. No, no, you can't have him do that. And if you're tired, he can't be the one who carries like this rickshaw around or this this chair around for you. That's what a regular Avodim do. Evidivri doesn't do that. Okay. Then the Mechilta goes on. Meaning, Wow. For your son and for your Talmud, you are allowed to do Farech, but not for your, your Evid. So, this seems to go right against Rabbeinu Yona. It's a Mechilta in Shemos, they're clearly Paskins, Let's say it better. 
there's Eved Avodos, that we know Avodim do. An Eved Ivri can't do that. Okay. There's service which is Bizyonos, which is embarrassing, which is something. What's an embarrassing type of Avodah? So what you would not ask a hired worker to do. For example, if I hire you and you already have a reputation for being a painter, I can't ask you to go and fix the sink. You are a painter. That's what you've been doing for 25 years. You're a great painter. I hired you to paint. And I said, you know what? You know, the paint still looks good, but what, you know, look, I hired you for the day already. Can you come in and try to figure out why the toilet is always getting stuffed up? Maybe you could do something. You can't do that. Which means what? That's a bizoyo. To ask someone to do something you know he's not trained in. To ask someone to do something that he's going to flop in. Especially if he has a, if he has a, a sense of himself. If you're not asking him to do, you're not asking him to carry and, and wash your wash your body. You're not asking him to do to 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 to, to, to tie your shoes for you. But that's called an avoda shiyeshba bizoyo. Okay, um, that you can't do. All right, it has to be like a socher. Okay, then we have the last one, which is avodas parach. Right, so there's you can't do avodas eved. You can't sell him like an eved, which is the way he's sold. But you also can't do you can't ask him to do bizyonas ticket things. What does avodas parach mean? The simple pshat in the pasuk, well sirda babafarach. So let's go to that spot. He doesn't realize that you don't want a cup of hot water and you ask him to heat up this cup of hot water. Heat up this water, make it hot for me. You don't need it. Make it cold for me. Or I want you to uh, take your spade and dig out under the dirt where, where the vine is growing. And I want you to clear the dirt and clumps from that area and keep on doing it until I show up. That is called avodas parach. Hmm. Maybe you'll say, hey, uh, I needed that cup of water. That's why it says your race Melech, God knows that you didn't mean that. So what was so what is that? What are those two examples? The two examples of Avodas Parach are heating a cup of water when you don't need it, and digging in a, digging under the Gefanim until I show up. What do those two things mean? The Rambam. What does Avodas Parach mean? It's an avoda that you do not give a delineation and a limit to. You don't tell him how much he needs to do. 
Your purpose is, I just want you to be busy. Busy work. Teachers do this all the time. Yeah, keep the kids busy. There's really no purpose in it. Just keep them busy, keep the class quiet. That's what it's for. I just want my event to work. You don't tell him. You don't tell him how much to do. And that's why Chazal say, dig under there till I show up. You didn't tell me how much to dig. You didn't say, go dig here for the next 20 minutes. You didn't say, dig the next 200 yards. When you give someone an open-ended command and you just expect them to do it, that is called farech. You can't do that. That's avodas farech. To tell him to do something you don't need to be done. You're over say. That is the Rambam's definition of avodas parach. If you see a non-Jew doing something like that to a Jewish person, you need to do whatever you can to say, hey, hey we don't act this way in Israel. Um, if you let someone be under a non-Jewish control and the non-Jew is sort of like giving him these busy jobs to do and you didn't try to stop it, you are over the Pasuk, the Rambam says. That is called Avodas Perach. Now, if you think about it, is that what was happening in Mitzrayim? You know, we talk about what the Mitzrayim are doing to us. You know, you know, there are other interpretations, but this definitely now becomes a solid interpretation in the Haggadah of what Perach means. What does Perach mean? It means that I don't, you really don't need it. And you have not given them a sense of what they are supposed to accomplish. That is called Perach. Now, is there any sense in the Rambam that this should apply to someone who's not in Evan. Well, let's go to the next halach of the Rambam and see if we can find out. The Rambam then talks about telling him to do something which is a dover bezuyim that avodim do. And we talked about that. Taking the kalim to the Beis HaMerchats. Tying up his shoes. Taking off his shoes. Now, Who can't you do this with? The Rambam here says a reason. Because he already feels low. He already feels he had to sell himself because he had no money. Or he was caught stealing. He already feels low and therefore having him do all this stuff Make him go to the, being your personal valet in the bathroom or other things or having him work just to keep busy. It's usr. Avul Yisro Shalom Nimkar Mutter Lihishtamishbo Kevet. Someone who is just a hired person, you can tell him, hey, are you hiring me for the day? Look, I'll give you. We'll, we'll do anything for money. All right. I'm paying you 300 bucks. You're my Evan today. Okay. 
Okay, first of all, I want you to take this stuff with me. We're going to the bathhouse. You can do that. Why? Because he agreed, right? He needs the money. Okay, you're willing to be, you're going to do whatever I ask? Yes. He's doing it, Bertzona. He wasn't sold. He wasn't sold to you. He agrees to work for you this day. It's unlike a person who has a huge amount of debt and says, I've got to become your Evan. This is someone who is your, is your weekly worker. He's not an Evid. And since he, everything he did, he did Midas Atzmo. So the Rambam says, you are allowed to ask him to do stuff. Hmm. Okay. When I ask you to do a favor, what is that? Is this Rambam a proof against Rabbeinu Yonah? Rav Chaim Kanyevsky felt yes. Because seems to say that any, obviously the guy's not happy, right? But, okay, he's, he's getting some money for it. He's getting paid. You can ask him to do silly work. You can ask him to do stuff even though it doesn't have a, a definition of how much it has to be done. And even if it's something that, that it's the type of thing Avodim do, you can do that. Now, the Rambam does say further, Anoshim she'enam noagim kishura if there are people that, and the Rabbeinu said something similar, if you remember, people who are not acting proper, you have a right to use public pressure against them, to strengthen and to actually push them around. Because Melech Shegozar, Shekomi Shaloyiten Amas, HaKotzev Alkol Ish Ve'ish, Yishtabl Vezeshenosan Amas Yodo. So let's say, um, a king gives out exera. I want everybody to pay their taxes in this community. And if someone pays your tax, you now have to work for him. So the Rambam says, based on the Gemara, you are allowed to, to actually make him work for you more than a regular guy would work for you. Not exactly like an Evid but oh, a decent amount. However, if he's someone that the community needs, we need to teach a lesson to, you can treat him like an Evid, and that'll be for his benefit because you've got to do something to change him. Okay, looking at all these Rambams, does this seem like the Rabbeinu Yonah has a, a source? There seems to be somewhat of a, of, of, again, this seems to indicate Somewhat against Rabbeinu Yonah, where he says, Yisrael nimkar bo. On, on, on the other hand, right, the Rabbeinu doesn't say necessarily that, that you paid him money. It might just be someone who's your friend who wants to hang out with you today. So this seems to go against Rabbeinu Yonah's Yisod. Rav Chaim Kanievsky, when it was asked about Rabbi Yonah, felt there might be a source for him from this Gemara. Gemara says, based on what we just said, as you can see, that Rav Su'urim Achvederova, Rav Su'urim was Rav's brother, and a nice brother, Su'urim. He would take in Shedelomalu, he took people that were not, this is Gemara in Bava Metziah, he would take people that were not tzaddikim, people that were worse than tzaddikim, people that were not good people, Umailu Begurka, what would he make? He would make them work to carry the, the carriage that Rava, the, as you can see, the Reutvogen, that Rava would ride in 
he would force them to carry that wagon. And Rav has said, I'm okay with you. These guys were bums, pushtakim. These were guys that were, that, that, that were not doing the right thing. It was okay what you did, that you turned them into like galley slaves. Why? Because remember what the Pasuk said? And the next Pasuk is So you can make a drosha. Sometimes you need to treat your brother like an evet. I might think that let's say he's all right. But you think, you know what? I think it'll be good for him. I think he's got a little chutzpah in him. That's the second Pasik. Rabbeinu Yonah saw from this Gemara, Chaim says, that this is saying if a person is not a Russia, you don't have a right to draft him and have him do this job and say, hey, you should be, Rav is the God of Ador, you should be helping him. If he's Eino Noe Kishura, yes. But if he's pretty much Noe Kishura, he's not the best. He's not a tzaddik, but it's not like he needs time in the reform school. It's not like he needs time on the chain gang. So then you have no right to say, I think you'd be better off doing it. The, if this is only about avadim, then what are we quoting this Pasuk for? It must be that Pasuk number two is referring to not just the distinction between non-Jewish slaves or uh, avadim knanim and avadim ivriim. It must be from this Gemara that we see that you can apply it to everyone. And this is Rabbeinu source that you can actually logically imply from the Eved situation, which is, of course, a person who feels, as the Rambam says, that he is in a lower situation because of you. He always feels like he's less. He always feels nafshoshfeila. Rabbeinu Yonah's taking it and expanding it Rabbeinu Yonah's expansion of it is normal. In other words, what Rabbeinu Yonah did was he had this Pasuk, Pasuk number two, which clearly, as you see from the Gemara, is not referring to an Evan. He also had the understanding that the Rambam gave to this halacha, which is the special idea of nafsho shvela. Nafsho shvela love. Therefore, you have to be so careful about what you ask him to do. In, in, in great regards, everyone, even if they haven't sold themselves, in every social situation that we find ourselves in, there is the dominant person and the lower person. And Rabbeinu Yonah is really just extracting things logically. In fact, one could even say, Kalvachomer, Madach in Evet, who knows what he's getting into. I mean, come on, that's what an Evid is. Especially if it's someone who stole and wasn't able to pay. And he realized, again, or the Evid who sells himself, he realizes this, is, this ain't going to be a walk in the park. I mean, it's a last, we know from the Brisa, you only sell yourself, it's a last ditch thing. It's, you're, when you're up against the wall, that's what you do. It isn't far for Rabbeinu Yonah, I believe, to expand it to every type of social situation. If it's true for an Eved, maybe Kalvachomer should be true. This idea, and of course it becomes nuanced throughout our uh, social relationships. And this is a prime aspect of our social relationship. And it's a very subtle one. And if you don't have 
the, the ability to read it, you got to work on your social skills and realize the people you're asking, saying things to and, 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 and what they mean to you. And, and, and you need, unless, of course, it wasn't Pikuach Nefesh, other things. We're not talking about that. We're talking about things that you could conceivably go without. And, 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 and even though it makes things easier, and it's incumbent upon us, Rabbi Yonah says, to be able to do this. Otherwise, we sin mightily with our speech. We're using our speech to impose things in a way that despite what we think is a mitzvah and how it's a great benefit, you give the, you give the guy a great smile about it. You walk away, without this Rabbi Yonah, you walk away thinking, you know, he's such a great guy. Now we have great achdus. You know, he did this thing for me. I feel indebted to him. Yeah, you feel indebted to him, but you now have something more to clap al chait for, for doing this aveira of really putting him in this situation. And that, again, is, 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 is really a, a testament to the subtle understanding the Rabbeinu Yonik has of what the Torah demands from us. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.